It's Sunday, and if we got a story for you, welcome to Stories Unlimited. Thank you for taking the time to let us into your lives. And from now on, I will be hosting along with a good buddy of mine from my lazy, hazy, crazy days of college. That'll be Don Woodard. Taylor Mason, unfortunately for us, has his stand-up comedian schedule has gotten so big that, as you know, he's been going from Lisbon to Anchorage, Alaska, bing, bang, boom, and it's just gotten caught up to him. He really can't dedicate the time he needs to do Stories Unlimited, but he will be coming on from time to time as a featured guest when it works into his schedule. But I'm thrilled to have as a new co-host my good friend, Don Woodard. Don, would you like to introduce yourself to our fans? Yeah, hey, thanks, uh, uh, Dave. I've uh, I've been a big fan of the podcast. I'm, I'm a, a, a big, big fan of Taylor's. Have always been, and uh, I'm happy to hear that his uh, career is going gangbusters, and I'm Happy to step in. I uh, couldn't possibly fill those shoes, but but I'm uh, happy to be here nonetheless. Hello from Asheville, North Carolina. We've got uh, yeah the great Tar Heel State in here. I went to college with Don at the University of North Carolina, and we've uh, stayed close since. When I used to go to L.A. on productions, uh, when I was working in advertising, I would uh, see him perform at the Groundling Theater in L.A., which was always a blast fun uh, improv troupe that was sort of like the second city uh, here in Chicago. There it was, the Groundling Theater. And then Don went on to write uh, and help create, I believe, Just Shoot Me, right? The TV series? Didn't didn't create it, but was brought in to to work uh, uh, on the show and and was an executive producer for a couple of years, did about 100 episodes. Yeah, I'll give you the cliff notes real quick, I, I uh, uh, or, or the Monarch notes. You t- Take your choice. They, <laughs> they, they both served me very well at Carolina. Yeah, I, I came out to L.A. in, in 1980, uh, 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 late 79. I was a page at CBS Television City for about six months until I realized that it was just a continuation of college. I was waking up, uh, you know, late uh, uh, every morning and going to The Price is Right and Standing there in the back of the uh, studio in my red jacket and uh, boxing and telling, Bob Barker, telling people where to go and and uh, yes, uh, uh, you know, did shows like you know WKRP in Cincinnati and Three's Company shot there, even though it was ABC. So, so I did that. I, I kind of then I worked at CBS for a while, and it, it took me a few years to realize. Uh, you know, I thought, do I want to act? Do I want to write? And I it didn't really occur to me that you could kind of make, you know, I was out there, but it did never occur to me that I could actually make a living doing it. And uh, a few years into there, uh, into the, the time in LA, I went to a, a performance at the Groundlings and saw the sketch and improv uh, comedy there. And I thought, wow, you know, I, I'd at least like to try this. And and I took classes and I moved up the food chain and it was a great time to be there. Phil, Phil Hartman, Don already had experience performing at the University of North Carolina. His uh, his ukulele stand-up routine was legend. <laughs> yeah, th- th- thanks, Dave. Yeah, there uh, there wasn't a big demand when I got out of college for the <laughs> ukulele, but uh, but yes, while I was there, sure, it served me well. You made uh, it cool again. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. There you go. I uh, uh, so I I. Uh, 
Yeah, so I, I, I was I was at the Groundlings when uh, just when it was really hitting its stride, and Phil Hartman was there, and John Lovitz got into the company about the same time, and it was a great place to be. But I, I and I was an actor for about five years. But you know, I heard Conan O'Brien reference this about himself the other day, and it's true to me too. I did not have an actor's soul. I, I it, you know, I, I was much more into the writing of it. I thought for sure every audition I went to, they were going to hate me. And, you know, you cannot, you, <laughs> you, you, you cannot be that way. I did not have that gene to, to kind of, you know, get me in the door with confidence, which is ironic because then once I was on the other side of that door, it, it finally occurred to me, Oh, Oh, I, I want those actors who come in to read to be the guy. I want you, the next guy to walk in to be that person. So Anyway, I, I realized that too late. I did a couple of, you know, it had bit parts here and there. But then I, for 20 years, I wrote half hour uh, uh, TV with my uh, writing partner, a guy named Tom Maxwell, who had been the director of The Groundlings. And, um, and it was a great ride. And, uh, and then left uh, about 15 years ago. Just, it's, you know, it was a young man's game. It, it long hours, it, it TV writing. If you write a movie, you can throw the script over the transom, cross your fingers, and maybe you get invited to the set. But TV day to day is, you know, you've got to be there. It's a living, breathing document and a lot of rewriting late nights. And, you know, I had a kid and had a wife and kind of yeah. wanted to be home. So we just, yeah. uh, you know, I'd had enough. We loaded up the cars and, <laughs> and moved out of Beverly. And you moved from Beverly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we're close anyway. And, and uh, uh, yeah, and, and I've been in Nashville 15 years and, Love it. Just, you know, it's, it's, it's great. There's there, I, I have, uh, uh, <laughs> as I used to say, there's no better job in LA than being a former actor. Uh, <laughs> the same thing now that being a former TV writer, it's, it's, uh, it's just, uh, I enjoy it. It's the golden age of TV uh, today. I think, uh, I, I wish kind of, I, I was in there now because there's so much good writing and niche production and all that, but yeah, uh, it's, a, it's like little movies now. Instead it's of awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. There's so many places for it to go, but that's that's for another episode. I, I uh... as we're talking about actors, and it's that time of year where we all get in our costumes and <laughs> celebrate Halloween. Uh, you had mentioned it's a rich, rich trove of stories, and I agree. I would love to get into our Halloween masks and give it a ride here for this episode. Uh, I, when I think of Halloween, it's funny. I am always taken back to probably my very earliest memory is of a Halloween night. I, I was either two or three. I was too young to know what was going on. Hmm. I'm sure my dad had put me on his shoulders and we walked around the neighborhood and I got this sense of all these, you know, the, these people in, in, in these scary outfits running around and it, it sort of got me all riled up. And by the time I got home and in the house, I, I felt like there was something about this night that was just different <laughs> and, and kind of spooky as a kid. And I remember walking into the kitchen and looking up and I saw this specter go past the back door window where nobody had any business being. It was our backyard. And I see this scarecrow in a skull mask and it looks in the window and then moves on before I could say anything. And I was just, I can see it now. 
And it's burned into my consciousness now for 60 years. And it's just over 60 years. I still, when I think of Halloween, that image pops in my head like none other. It was never explained. By the time I could put my thought together to try to ask my mom what that was, it had disappeared and vanished. I, I just sat there just amazed. And that to me is what Halloween's all about. It's this- did anyone did anyone else see it? I mean, maybe it was a specter. It is Halloween. I mean not nobody else saw it. I never brought it up because hmm. I didn't even know how to put into words what I had just seen. Interesting. And and uh so I it was never explained. And maybe part of me thought that was kind of cool that I would never know what that was. But I, because of that, it is burned in my memory. And it's probably the earliest memory I have from something that wasn't told to me over and over again. And uh, so it's, you know, I, I, that's, that's, that's where my Halloween starts. Well, congratulations, because you, you, you didn't, I didn't hear the word candy once in that, in that in that story, I uh, that that's that's great because I you know I, obviously that you know that's my first memory. I you know to me, the big three holidays if, if you had to put them in order, you know it's it's Christmas number one, Halloween number two. Oh yeah, Fourth of July. Back in the days when you know there were no laws about fireworks, uh, <laughs> and, you know uh, maybe number three, but a close second w- w- was definitely Halloween. And and, and three and so, finger was a big nickname back then. <laughs> yeah, well, and you were from New Jersey. I, I my impression of New Jersey was that you know we can talk about the fourth again someday, but I, is is that everybody just sort of like lit cannons off in the middle of the streets and. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and it's so, not too far from the truth. And I'm, I'm sure. I, I, uh, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, you know, I mean, it's, I certainly have a lot of early memories of, of, of Halloween. I, I I was thinking about my mother made our costumes when I was a kid and, and my brother's five years older and she made us these matching crow outfits. They were like, you know, black and you raised your arms and you could see the wings and, and, and then beaks out of, I don't know, construction paper or something. Okay, yeah. So, so you were you were heckling you were heckling Jekyll before they became politically <laughs> yeah, incorrect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I uh, uh, and I'm sure, like you know, my brother who was like you know, eleven, ten, you know, hated the idea that that you know I had to go around with him wearing the same costume. I just like you know on on school, you know, we we were in the same school first grade through you know, and and when he was in sixth grade, and we had a number of identical shirts. Like, you know, and, and for some, for some reason, I think my mother thought like every day was going to be picture day just in case. So, (laughs) so, so anyway, so Halloween, we had these matching, matching outfits, but I, I, you know, you think about like those, uh, uh, those college, but if you remember those college bill, the boxes came in a box and had a really hard plastic mask. Oh yeah. And, and, and something that you kind of tied around on the back, like a, (laughs) like a hospital gown. And prayed it didn't snap off midway through. The- yes, or or God forbid you brush up against a lighted pumpkin. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, back in those days, I flammable, inflammable. I, you know, oh, you tell me. Man. But uh, so I, I, we kind of stayed away from that. I don't, I don't know why, but but you know, my mom loved kind of doing that that sort of stuff. I do remember having a 
a big fear, you know, that sort of stayed with me that may have been one of my first memories too, which is I do recall going up to a house and the door slowly, my mother staying behind me yeah. and the door slowly opening and this, you know, creepy hand, clawed hand sticking out, you know, to, you know, to scare little kids. And it did. And I mean, I Ooh. raced back down the street. Wow. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it was you know, but but the whole, but it was it was the candy man. It was all about the candy. Oh well, I I don't know about you. I grew up in a track home uh, that was you know some uh, urban engineer figured out how to put the most homes in a limited space while everyone still felt like they had the American dream of their own lawn. Right. And so it was just balanced perfectly. So we were all put together in close knit. Plus, on top of that, I was born during the baby boom. So I am not exaggerating when I, you know, when these Halloween movies come out and they show kids running all over the streets and stuff. Right. That's exactly how it was where oh, yeah. I grew up. I oh, mean, yeah. the streets ran with just full of kids. Like a Spielberg. Groups movie. and groups of kids filled with every house you went to. There were three or four people in front of you and three or four groups of kids in back of you. It was right. just, it, it was crazy. And, um, but the big difference was in those days, people didn't go extravagant. You mentioned that hand coming out. Yeah. I, we never really, there was nobody really did anything special for Halloween, except they had a couple of one or two jack-o'-lanterns lit on the right. porch. Right. And they might've had some uh, paper like skeletons hanging yeah. that they bought at the local five and dime, yeah. you know, might've been a witch or, or a, a, a skeleton. And they were like plastered on the windows. And maybe and one was, guy in the neighborhood who actually had a table saw would get like a sheet of plywood and like, you know, you know, do a carve out like a, you know, a ghost or something that would stand yeah. up on the lawn. I but mean, compared, compared like, to now. Yeah, that would have been like a landmark, <laughs> you know, instead of today, that would have been a yawn and like, oh, well, right. that's not that's not like the 18 foot, uh, you know, zombie I saw over at the Martin's house. Right. It's like, or actually they had four of them in their front yard. No, they go nuts today compared to the old days. We had one person, Mrs. Alexoff, and Mrs. Alexoff had sort of a, a larger nose, but not, you know, she wasn't, a, she was a fairly attractive woman, but she did on Halloween, she took makeup and made her chin and her <laughs> nose very prominent. Right. I'm colorblind. She might even have looked green. But anyway, she she put on a witch's hat, a witch's cape. She had a boiling brew, you know, like a tripod with a... a, a sure, like some dry ice. And just steam coming out of this pot. And then she would <laughs> dance around cackling like a mad woman. And no other parent did anything remotely like this. No other house had anything but a couple of jack-o'-lanterns. And so you were like, holy shit, what's going on here? And then you just, and, and as you got older and older and older, you realize, you know, she wasn't scary anymore. She was kind of like, oh, there's Mrs. she's great, isn't she? You know, like, oh, this is so cool that she's gotten into it. And she just became this, you know, bigger than life character because she was the only one doing anything like this. I think the only uh, the only high tech at I, I kind of remember springing up maybe in the late 60s was they kind of started coming out with recordings of like 
you know, so so there were every once in a while, someone would think to put a speaker out. Right. Otherwise, you're absolutely right. If it really was not a, it was just all about going from house to house, give me the candy, moving on. Yeah. I don't remember the, I don't remember it becoming like Christmas, you know, it's like everybody would decorate for Christmas. Right. Even that wasn't to the point it is today. Right. But. I didn't notice people really starting to decorate homes with any kind of fervor until about the turn of the century, the yeah. year 2000. Yeah. That's about when I noticed that starting to happen. And just about, you know, when my kids were in prime trick or treat age, uh, that whole phenomenon started. But, right. you know, I can remember mo- like moving to Winneka with the kids. Uh, you know, we were in the city and we were in the western suburbs before that, but we moved to Winneka, which is its own little, you know, it's a beautiful trees everywhere and the fall leaves. It's just this gorgeous setting for Halloween. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, and, but the I would take the kids, I would take my daughter especially because she was younger than my son. I would take her around trick-or-treating with the neighbor's dad. And I remember the first year we did this in Winneka. The other parents, when you would get to the house and they'd see two guys with their little kids trick-or-treating, they'd be, oh, you guys, hey, you guys, stick here. And they'd get us a cocktail. And, <laughs> and I had never seen this before. And I was just like, oh, this is a great idea. And I mean, probably the first 10 houses we visited, three of them offered us, you know, either a stiff drink or a cocktail. Wow. And so, and so we're like doing this and, you know, and, you know, and, and just wolfing them down, you know, literally just boom, oh, thanks a ton. And then moving on. And I mean, by like after 15 minutes of this, we've got two kids trick or treat. Meanwhile, Richard Gottlieb and I are going, we're, not, we're like getting drunk and we're starting to act like werewolves and we're starting to run around the neighborhood like right. monsters. And we're getting more into Halloween than the kids ever dreamed of. And they're probably thinking, what the heck? Who are we with here? And they're, they're just continuing to go trick or treat. What, meanwhile, in the background, Richard and I are going, you know, we're just like, we're out of our minds. We think we're like Bella Lugosi and Barlow's Karloff and Lon Chaney Jr. all wrapped in one. And our head is spinning with liquor. And it was a very interesting Halloween, I got to say, because we were out there about an hour. And by then, hope. Oh, we started refuse. We started politely saying, "No, we're good." <laughs> but it was amazing. I had never come across this phenomenon before or since. It's funny, you know. You, you mentioned the fall, and you know, I, our first Halloween's with our son was in L.A. So you know, the you know the you know it's fall because it's when the palm trees go yellow from blight. You know, that's <laughs> that's, that's about that's about the extent of it, but. But I, I will say one of the cool things, there was a, a neighborhood in the valley, probably about, you know, eight streets in a row. And at Christmas time, it was called Candy Cane Lane. Oh. And, and every house was decorated. But they did the same thing to a lesser extent at Halloween. But it had the added benefit of a number of production designers, prop guys, you know, TV and film people, and who would have like, movies projected on their garage doors and and animatronic you know i mean it just got (laughs) it got way out of hand but it was awesome and then you know certain neighborhoods 
you would, you know, if there were, you know, if it was a sketchy neighborhood, there weren't as many kids out or whatever. So that in some of the other in the suburbs, there'd be vans of families and, you know, children, you know, just pulling out and piling out. And, you know, I mean, you know, what the heck it's, it's in the spirit of giving. I mean, it's, you know, yes. but, but it's, it was, uh, it was quite a, quite a sight. That's for sure. That's for yeah. sure. We, it, here in Winneka, we don't have people who who have all the animatronics and all the L.A. background and stuff, but we do have this uh, like three street strip. That's three straight streets where it's particularly dense. The housing is particularly dense, and some at some point, I don't know when, they decided they were all they all go all out, all out for Halloween. They 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 take the they have like a bar set up out front so that the adults get drinks and the kids get candy. Again, it's like I had never seen this growing up where there was so much liquor out, you know. I well, it's, really... cold. it's cold up there, you know. You... Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, you got to do something. It's fall out here. So, <laughs> I mean, and they and so people literally do drive their kids to this particular spot to trick or treat because they know yeah. that in, 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 you know, they know that in 40 minutes they're going to get the kind of haul they would normally get. Yeah you know, in an hour and a half somewhere else. Yeah. And as, as a, you know, as someone who used to be a kid, I particularly appreciate that because we would get our pillowcases because, you know, no bag was big enough or strong. No, 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 no. So now, so there were, there are two kinds of rules uh, uh, in families back in the day. And I guess even now, what were your parents the, okay, you can have one piece of candy, one piece of candy at a time, or was it just like, I just go in your room, stay there, lock the door, and it will see you in the morning. Oh, my parents were very low supervisory parents. They Man. were they they put all their trust for for no good reason no. that my brother and I would self medicate and do it <laughs> properly. So yeah, we were we would just take the the we would eat it as we cared. There was no limit on it. I'm sure if we had started running around the house going absolutely berserk, right. Uh, you know, with a sugar high, our parents might have had a different opinion. But no, we we were a lot, we were on our own. Uh, but I do know there were types of families that uh, were, and I always thought, man, your parents are kind of. Oh yeah. Oh, I bet you're not allowed to watch TV after eight o'clock. I mean. Oh yeah. Well, I had one friend. I had one. Speaking oh. of Halloween, I had a friend whose mom wouldn't let him watch the Munsters because she was afraid he'd have nightmares. <laughs> Oh, did he take some abuse? Uh, that's really funny. Well, yeah, I mean, and, but there was nothing like getting back home finally, you know. Yeah. And and taking that pillowcase and just dumping it on the bed, and let's let's see what what's the haul. Oh, you separated the winners from the losers, right? Oh, Necco wafers or that. Oh, Necco wafers, big losers. <laughs> uh, there was those, the, yeah, those, those uh, penny candies that you were like, I don't care if they gave you three penny candies. That's like, you know, that's like getting a, a three dart gun shot at you. Who right. needs it? I don't. Right. As opposed to like, you know, you would also like as you're running around the neighborhood, you'd have kids going, "Hey, the Johnsons are giving out paydays." You know? Or, oh yeah. <laughs> It's like those, it's a, it's a Reese's cup, and it's like there's three of them in a package. And I mean, yes, oh, and I can still the tell intelligence. You their names. I can still tell you their names. The Roans, who had no kids, but he was a big time judge, and they would answer the door, Mister and Missus Roan, and they gave you three giant candy bars, Good not Lord. one, 
three giant sized candy bars and she would throw in a pamphlet for the league of women voters (laughs) without fail every single year here's something for your mom and dad and you know what i always came home with three pamphlets because i went by the roans three different times of course i mean did you change costumes or did you just count on them not really paying attention I, you know what, when I was little, I changed costumes thinking, oh boy, you know, because, and then when I was little, I didn't stray too far from home. But as I got older, I was like, screw that. What are they going to do? Refuse me? (laughs) She was so eager to give out those uh, pamphlets that they they didn't care if you came (laughs) six times. Well, you say when you get a little older too, I'm thinking, you know, there, there comes a day when you start getting the feedback, quote, Aren't you a little old to be trick-or-treating? <laughs> Sometimes unspoken. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. No, exactly. And I think that it, it came around junior high. You know, it, it, it sort of, and, and so, I mean, that there, but, you know, we were talking before we, before we did the podcast, you, you mentioned something that I never experienced, and, and I'm sure it was going on around me. It tells you everything you need to know about me as a kid, as my wife calls me, the goody two-shoes. Uh, but there was the night before Halloween in a lot oh. of places. And I think they, I think it was, was it called hell night where you were? No, no, that's, I think Detroit, I know they call it hell night. I'm right. not sure, but we called it mischief night. Mischief and night. Uh, that, say, that makes it sound a little more innocent. Yeah. A little innocent. And, but mischief night was, again, it was age dependent. When you were little, you soaped car windows. Right. Uh, you, oh, you might have like soaped their driveway, not even knowing, you know, well, I don't let's we got some soap. We got to write on things. So we just wrote wherever we could. And you would and you would ding dong ditch. And that was what you did. Sure. As you got older, you elevated your game a little. I still remember the time Glenn Orr knocks on my door for mischief night. You know, the, that was more exciting than going out for Halloween because you were going to be a badass for a night. And. And when and we still were at that age where when you saw headlights coming down the street, you dove into the bushes so the cops wouldn't catch you because you were just sure that every cop was on patrol looking for right, you. Right, right. And so, and plus, you know, it was your little, you know, your your chance to really act like, man, I'm I'm a gangster. And so we would dive in the bushes, etc. But one night, Glenor comes and he just shows me the pockets. His pockets of his coat are loaded with eggs. Oh we my have God. graduated. We've graduated from soap to we're now going to egg the houses and cars of. You, know, you ever tried to clean egg off, oh. off a brick or, oh. or a garage I, door? I can remember my dad hiding in the bushes with a high-powered hose. If he saw <laughs> any kids coming by, he would soak them. I'm sure because he didn't want to have to mess with cleaning eggs out. Ugh. And we never did get egged, so that was a that was a plus. But uh, we um, so we so Glenor has these eggs, and we're all excited. And, oh man, we're gonna really be badasses tonight! And what happens? We're not out on the street for five minutes, and a car comes down the street, and Glenor dives into the bushes, and I hear, "Oh shit!" And I'm like, "What?" And he goes, "Oh man!" And I'm like. And then he turns his pockets inside out <laughs> and there's just egg yolk gooing at every pore. And every, that was Glenn's first brush with Kyle. Every one of those eggs broke in his pockets. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's great. I was yeah, like, great. oh, you know what? We are not lifetime criminals. But but we would do, you know, then we would egg houses. The other thing we would do, which wasn't quite, you know, because in the back of my mind, I knew egging wasn't too cool because it was hard to clean up. But there were some houses that earned it and, uh, and deserved <laughs> it. But, but for the most part, we would get thrills out of taking, you know, cause stuff was falling from the trees, crab apples, pears, all that right. kind of stuff was falling from the trees. So you would take these and you would just love What we loved to do is we'd hide in the, uh, the uh, every basement had a little uh, stairwell. And what we would do was hide in the stairwell and lob big things of fruit onto the roof of a house. And, and then they would come out and start looking around for who was doing it and we'd be biting our sleeves laughing so hard and just just doubled over in laughter <laughs> and, and then watching these people walk around and there'd usually be a hedge between where we were lobbing them from because we were at the next door house and and then there was also the added thing of smashing pumpkins which was sure. always big and, and again you wouldn't smash everybody's pumpkins but if there was particular people in the neighborhood that rubbed you the wrong way oh <laughs> they were going to get their pumpkin smashed. And here was the extra thrill. If there were some people, I'm not going to name names, but if we knew they were in the mob and there were those families in our neighborhood, oh, there was no greater thrill than getting a pumpkin from a mob house and smashing it and not getting caught. Because there was consequences, we thought. If they catch <laughs> yeah, no it, kidding. If they catch us, it might not be pretty, but that was the extra, that was the extra challenge. And that was, that's what really made it exciting. And uh, so we did, so that was kind of fun. Again, never caught, but there were also the times where one time we're walking around and we dump over, uh, here was the, when it was mischief night and trash collection was the next day, that was always a bad combination. Oh, what a horrible idea. So what we did, we go out there, and this was kind of like the egg adventure with Glenor. We're just at this age where we're like, okay, we're going to, you know, we thought we were bad. So like four of us are walking down the sidewalk, and we see these four fat trash cans. We're like, oh, yeah, baby. So we take these trash cans and dump them over. And then for some reason, we walk down the street like, we're, you know, like the guys in uh, Reservoir Dogs when they leave the diner. We're like <laughs> walking down the street, just imagining how bad we are. Yeah. And then the next thing, and of course, we're all of about nine years old. Uh, all of a sudden, I, I am literally lifted in the air from the scruff of my neck. And I look over and this guy has two of us. He's picked us. He's picked two of us up. The guy was like six, six or something. <laughs> And he picked us up and the other kids look back and they're like, and they're like, you're kind of, you know, and so he took us back to clean it up. Wow. So we, have, so we clean it up. And then this guy was amazing. He goes, okay, come in the house. And we're like, uh oh, now we're really, what's he going to do? Call the police? So, so we've already cleaned it up. You know, what more do we have to do? So we go in the house and he gives us Halloween candy for, uh. you know, for going to the, you know, just, you sure. know, to say, hey, no hard feelings. But you know what, guys? It's not really cool to go around throwing people's trash all over the place. And I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that guy 
had it all going on. Yeah, you know, plus he's he's giving you a pass. I mean, I mean, to, for for the yeah. for tomorrow night, it's like okay, just remember, I I did this for you. Yeah, <laughs> and he's also teaching us a good life lesson. We have to clean up the mess we made. Don't do this to anybody else. And here, here's some candy. Blah blah blah. Of course, he didn't say anything about don't egg anybody's house. Right. When we were older, I was—I think we were actually freshmen in high school, and that was—you're still going out for mischief night. We went out for mischief night. I, if I was in New Jersey and I was 26, I'd probably still be going out to mischief night. <laughs> but, but we—I was probably what 15 uh, as a freshman in high school, and I'm with a group of guys. There's like six of us, and we we have all this toilet paper, and we throw it into this old dry tree. And we just, we just, uh, you know, we probably had like four reams of toilet paper. We throw it up in there. And this house was at the end of a court. And I don't, the one of the guys with us lived on the court. So maybe he had a grudge against them. I don't know. I didn't know who these people were from Adam. But we threw it all up there and then we lit it on fire. And oh my God, it was beautiful. That thing just went up in a blaze. And I remember, because I'm, I'm like a closet pyro, I guess, I just sat there on my heels and just admired this fireball as it rose into the air, thinking, this is magnificent. How are you not in jail now? I'm, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because my peripheral vision, my peripheral vision catches this blade of light to my left. And I look, and by the time I look, there's this woman with a full head of steam running after me. She's probably in her late 30s, and she is just like a raging bull coming right at my direction. And I look around to see where my friends are. They're like halfway down the block. After they lit the thing on fire, they took off. But me, I just had, I was, I was enamored with the flames. And this lady's breathing down my neck by the time I turn around and I start running and she lunges in the air for me. <laughs> and I high step out of her grasp. I mean, her hands touch the back of my ankles <laughs> as I high step out of her grasp. I look back at her. She's a full belly flop in the grass, looking up helplessly like you little mother. And, and then I notice behind her, her tree's a ball of fire. And I thought, how good is that? And then I just ran and I kept caught up with my buddies. And it was even extra good because I had just narrowly escaped capture. And and I not only set her tree on fire, I made her completely humiliate herself in the front yard. So as a 15-year-old who had no maturity whatsoever, I thought that was pretty cool. Can I just uh, say for the benefit of uh, people who are just joining the podcast, maybe some friends of mine now that, uh, that, that you have turned out to be an outstanding citizen. Uh, <laughs> despite, you know, you're, as you're telling the story, I'm thinking this must be like how whoever wrote the purge, you know, the, the <laughs> those movies, they must, I mean, it's like, Oh, it's mischief night on steroids. It's like, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's one step beyond setting a tree on fire. It's permission to kill people for 24 hours. Oh. Well, I, I will tell you this. The good thing is I got all that stuff out of my system as a youngster right? so that 
now I am, you know, I don't really have a criminal bone in my body. Plus, I learned over the years I would be a horrible criminal because I barely get away with anything. So that was the exception rather than the rule. But the other good thing is to show I do have some semblance of a soul. I revisited the scene of the crime and was happy to see that we did no permanent damage to the tree because toilet paper burns much faster than anything around it. Right. And so all we had was some leaves and some toilet paper and the actual foundation of the tree was just fine. So Well, the statute of limitations has probably run out. Uh... <laughs> so, you know, I'm, th I'm thinking, you know, so you, you, you kind of you grow out of it. You, you it kind of comes back at college. And I was I was thinking about yes. us because we we had those parties. You'd have like the the, the you know, in, in the dorm you know, the, the chance for people to dress up. And, you know, my goal was always avoid the obvious. So uh, Animal House comes out, I'm not going to wear a toga. You know, uh, uh, Star Wars is out, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go as Han Solo. And, and I do remember one year I won uh, the contest, maybe the only, oh. only time was, uh, it was right, <laughs> it was right after, uh, Bing Crosby died. I mean, oh. in, you know, a, a few months before. Yes. I, we, I, I had a, my roommate was from Chapel Hill, and we drove around, and I, we found a box that a refrigerator had come in, sitting on the side of the street, waiting for pickup. And I got the idea. I took it back. I went and I bought, you know, that stick em, the sheets of, of, of uh, paper that have wood grain on them. They're like plastic, you know, and so I made it look like a coffin. And I got oh. a couple of dowel rods. It's the most constructive work I've ever done as far as building <laughs> something. Uh, uh, if, if you know me at all, I put like two dowel rods down the side and it was a walking coffin. And I had a little box, you know, for my <laughs> eyes and a screen. And I carried a golf club and a can of Minute Maid orange juice. And I had a sign that says, waiting for Bob Hope to join me on the road to heaven. And uh, that that may be that, that that may be the most creative moment of my life. Frankly, it was all downhill after that. But but I do think college was a great excuse to, uh, you know, to, to 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 do that. To just get creative as hell, and you did, man. That is an outstanding costume. I'm glad other one other people recognized its brilliance and awarded you for it. Well, it's funny because by the time then, when I did the Groundlings snob actor that I think I was. And I think we all felt this way. It's like, you know, every weekend we were in costumes, you know, wigs, yeah. and, you know, whatever, you know, whatever it was. So it was just like, this is one night I don't want to dress up. I'm not, we are, we are not going to go out and do this. It, it, it uh, so it's been a while since, uh, you know, maybe like you throw, Oh, I know <laughs> the other, you know, like the other thing I was thinking about as a kid going back for a second, the fallback back in the day, if you didn't have anything else, you you would your your mom would make you out to be a hobo. Oh God, yes. Because with and, and with I'm not sure stick, I, you get like with yes the with the stick with the, the bag on it and 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 uh, and I think it's because you could wear just about anything and then you take like a charcoal briquette and make <laughs> and make your beard. Yes. It was, I don't know, it just, it just flashed in my mind for a second. Like, I'm sure one or two, you know, after I grew out of the uh, the crow outfit, I'm sure there were one or two, like, you know, where, 
you know, my parents, like I said, they both worked. I'm sure like it was, it was yeah. like five o'clock on Halloween night. And my mother just went, all right, let's, you're going to be a hobo again. Yeah. I mean, so. now that you mention it, I thought it was a scarecrow that I saw as a little kid. Maybe it was a hobo with a skeleton. Because <laughs> you are so correct. That was a huge costume growing up. I, and and were, were there really that many hobos back then? I mean, but here's the thing. We were raised by depression, you know, exactly. parents who lived through the depression. Right. So a hobo was like, people knew who hobos was. Rex Skelton had a whole, you know. Yeah. He, yeah. He, Red Skelton. Red Skelton was the hobo. I mean, a hobo was a thing back then. When's the I last time you heard that word? I would be interested to know if any kid in the last 20 years has ever dressed as a hobo. No. Because no. they just aren't around. That is so, I had not thought of that. that well, and that's, that actually, would you say any kid now, I'm thinking, you know, there's really not, not, nothing more startling to me on Halloween than seeing kids dress up from your era. You know, <laughs> they're, they're, you know, they're, the, whether they're like the discoed out or, you know, yes. you know, one day you're, you're wearing it as a day-to-day stuff and, you know, flash forward and kids are dressing up like you for Halloween. I mean, that the, the, uh, you know, the hippies, Yes, because <laughs> because parents have it in their closet somewhere. Well, that's like, true. Yes, that's true. It's I'm, the new hobo. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I can find a beaded necklace uh, somewhere in my uh, in one of my drawers. That's really, oh, that's I really remember, funny. I can remember back in the, the in the late '60s, I couldn't go to bed one night about two weeks before Halloween because I got this brilliant idea. I was going to dress up as a hippie. My brother had draft beer, not students. He had a sign in his bedroom. And I said, I'm going to take that sign. I'm going to put it on a stick. I'm going to wear this old Marilyn Monroe wig that my mom had. And and I'm going to put all my mom's beads on. I'm right. going to put on some flip-flops. We had an old army jacket from like a cousin of ours. And who was like oh, way older than we were. And he had just given us his art, which came down to about my knees. And I, so I was so excited to be, to wear this to school as my costume when they did the big parade around the schoolyard sure. and sure. everything. Right. And oh my God, what that day finally comes, I put on this costume and it was everything I had hoped for. Parents were just like all pointing at me going, look, a hippie. Because <laughs> it, really it, it was really during that, you know, the time when there were, there really were hippies. And oh God. That does remind yeah. me actually, I'd kind of forgotten that. Yeah, that was a big deal at school. That was like, that was a special day. I mean, you got to actually wear your, you know, wear your costume to school and they had, had a parade. And, and I actually, I, you know, I said, I, it's the one and only time I've won a contest. I, I just remembered I did win as a parent, uh, oh. you know, in terms of, you know, I, I, uh, uh, uh transferring my own, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, dreams and hopes and aspirations onto my child. We just moved to Asheville. He'd been there a, a, in the school a month. And I'm thinking, I'm like, God, he's really got to have a special costume of some kind. And so this will, he'll make friends and, he'll, you know, and, uh, and so I got the idea. He had this Star Wars mask and we made, we took a bag and a brown kind of hefty bag and, and, and drew some scars and things on it 
and, and like a potato. And he went as Darth Tater. <laughs> and he won. Oh, so, so uh, you know, there's no point in, in me doing uh, any more of these uh, podcasts. I've already told you the two greatest moments of my life. It, it, That's it. There's, there's nothing else to say. Clearly. I think you need to be a, a neighborhood costume designer for the children. <laughs> Maybe in a previous life, I uh, yeah, I was. That's uh, well. I, yeah, I mentioned I mentioned my mom's Marilyn Monroe wig. My daughter had, I think, my my wife at one time. Uh, her brothers used to call her Marilyn Monroe instead of Marilyn Monroe, and I think it's because they were so young they didn't know how to pronounce Monroe. <laughs> Right. And so they would call her Marilyn Gunroe. And I think she dressed up for it for Halloween one time. I'm, I'm not sure. I didn't know her then. But she encouraged my daughter to, to dress as Marilyn Monroe or Marilyn Gunroe, as we call her in our family. Right. Right. My daughter, my, my wife and daughter combined, they did the most incredible. They got the dress the high heels, the little, uh, whatever mole that she had. And she was startlingly like Marilyn Gunrow. Wow. It was just crazy yeah. to the point where if we had lived down South, she would have been one of those like uh, five-year-old beauty contests. I mean, she was just incredible as Marilyn Gunrow. And I went out trick or treating with her and it was truly a treat. Every woman that answered the door of a certain age sure. was just like, Instantly. Oh my, you know, you know, the older women, you know, yeah. even older than I was at the time were yeah. just like, they were taken aback. They were like, wow, that is such a great costume. You really look like Marilyn Monroe. But I think it made my daughter feel great. And uh, I'm sure it did. And it was just a beautiful day. It was a great crisp day. We were trick or treating with one of her friends and it was all so good. And we finished trick-or-treating. And I mean, I don't know how she did it in high heels because I was wearing sneakers and I was getting worn out because we went so far and afar. But as we're walking back to the other girl's house to, you know, look at our look at our take and right. empty, our, empty the bags and see what they had gotten. I mean, she's probably two houses away. Her high heels step in a sewer on the side of oh. the, you know, the sewer grates on the sure. side of the... And she twists her ankle. Oh, my God. I can hear the crunch of bone. Ouch. Oh, she was limping for the next week. It was, uh, but it was a great day. And, uh, but that was, that's probably the one. And she also had a great Dorothy costume once that uh, she inherited from her cousin. Uh, that, you know, you said your mom made a, you know, handmade. Yeah. Uh, this was some woman who had incredible talent did this amazing dress and basket and it was just a you know striking resemblance for Dorothy sure but uh, th they were the two costumes I really remember of my kids my son I think he was more like me it was just throw on whatever yeah you know take yeah, the yeah, charcoal yeah. be a hobo exactly <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the big costumes are going to be this year is I you know because uh, uh, I'm thinking like I think Barbie and Ken I'm guessing oh, there will be oh my god you'll go to a party and there'll be a dozen Barbies Barbie and Ken will be out of this world. I think all the boys will be Oppenheimer. Uh, oh, that's good. Or no. George Santos. <laughs> no. I, uh, <laughs> you know, who will they be? Oh, my God. I, I don't know. Like I say, it's just you got to think a little outside the envelope. You can't you can't but, show up there in the same costume as everybody else. I don't know. Yeah, Barbie is going to be huge. And, uh, and I agree. It's like when you see that, you go, eh, well, you know, that's nice, but. 
the, the one costume I remember growing up was I was really young and my parents had this great, you know, those old pajamas that have the flap in the back, you know, from the cartoon. Yeah. I, I had these <laughs> red pajamas from foot to neck. Right. And then, so I had those red pajamas. My mom sewed a tail to it. And then my dad made a pitchfork and I had this, I had a devil mask and I, I was so young that my dad carried me half the night, you know, cause I was, I think I was like four, I was definitely preschool. Right. And, uh, but man, that I, I never felt so good as I did wearing that devil's outfit. And 10 years later, you're setting trees on fire. I mean, exactly. Uh, it, it all fits the pattern. Perfect. But, you know, you reminded me when you, when you went off to the dorm story about, you know, winning that contest, I also did. I don't know if you were living in the dorm then. I set our dorm on fire. I don't know if you remember. The, I don't remember this. I don't think. I don't know. Get, getting off Halloween for a second, I was playing with firecrackers, so we'll bring the 4th of July back. I was playing with firecrackers out on the lawn, you know, in front of our dorm. And one of them didn't work. So when I, like one of the last ones we had didn't work. So as I walk back into the dorm, I chuck it into a trash can. <laughs> and the trash can is full of paper, which I didn't, didn't even consider. And then I go out to eat. Well, I come back and there are fire trucks all over the place. And this, that, and the other thing. Everybody's outside of the dorm. There'd been a big fire. Everybody's talking about the fire. And then you can see in the hallway that there's like, a, what are they called? Skid marks from the flames. Right. And one of the bulletin boards had burned up. What happened was the fire started in the trash can. And then the, the flames caught the bulletin board on fire. And then the wall caught fire. Well, by the time I get back, it's all all smoked now, and it's all fig- figured out. And then all of a sudden, somebody says the RA wants to talk to me about it. I'm like, <laughs> well, I wasn't even here. And no, I, you know, somebody had told her that they saw me throw firecrackers into the trash can. A rat. And I'm like, well, they were duds. They weren't. And she goes, are you sure they were duds? And I go... <laughs> Well, I thought they were duds, and she goes, apparently they weren't. Uh-huh. And oh my God, she could have gotten me kicked out of school, sure. probably. But she was, she knew that it, you know, she knew that uh, she probably didn't know that I had already set a tree on fire, and she right. gave me the benefit of the doubt. Right. And but but that was a complete innocent. Well, cable. I you know I say this. There was no mischief. I say this hesitantly because I know the your daughter is producing our podcasts so she'll be listening to this but i'm sure it wasn't the first time an open flame could be found in that dormitory <laughs> you know true. For, for whatever reasons i you know there were a lot of candles in college don't you remember that <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> sort of, I mean it's it's a miracle we didn't burn it down every night frankly yeah and, and not to mention the fact that dorm was practically 90 percent wood oh sure Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. No, I mean, that's, you know, well, I remember when I was an RA that that was like the big, the, maybe the most important instruction of all from the housing department was make sure that people don't use three prong plugs and, you know, and, and frayed extension cords. That was, yes. you know, pretty much you can do anything else you want, but, you know, just like, let's, you know, when you're using that Presto individual hamburger cooker in your room, uh, you know, make sure it's safely plugged into something. 
Well, I do think I think that the first day I lived in the dorm, the RA told us all, "You do know we live in a tinderbox waiting to happen." Right. So I think that was be, in the manual, actually. Yes, you have to be very careful, you know, with uh, your plugs, etc. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I know we're, we're kind of wrapping up, I guess, but I I will go back to one more thing in Halloween because it occurred to me, and I and I need to get it off my chest. I th- this will. This will, you know, uh, uh, describe the difference between uh, uh, you and me uh, in a nutshell. Uh, you you set a tree on fire on Mischief Night. I do remember a very, you know, the 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 idea that this that this couple did this and and believed that 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 it would work. They they weren't home that night, but they left the porch light on and a chair on the front porch, and a a box lid of like you know you buy a dress in a box and you take that lid and it was full of uh tootsie rolls oh yeah and i fifth grade sixth grade and we're walking around i'm kind of new to the area so i'm not going along with anything and it says you know take one and and of course these guys look at me and i look at them and it's like (laughs) oh come on i mean you know and just like Tipped it over. Okay, there's some for you. There's some for you. There's. I think we may have left one or two in the box. I mean, I just, <laughs> just, just in case, just in case, you know. There, it was. But I, I will say that that uh, uh, I had to get off the, off my chest. Thank you. I feel a lot better now. You, you yes, yes. The, what is that? The twelve stages of recovery. This is uh, <laughs> this is number one. Yeah, yeah. Except I don't know if I can make amends to to, to that couple. I. I'm guessing they may not be around anymore. Who knows? In my but. defense, I will tell you, I would not probably have even taken one because Tootsie Rolls made my no list. When I was separating the good really? from the bad, right. I was not a Tootsie Roll fan. Well, I'm you like, lived in a higher class can- neighborhood than I did, with, obviously. You- <laughs> yeah, with all the candy choices I have, yeah, you know. It went from Reese's to Paydays to O. Henry's, you know, they, you know, to, to all the way down to Heath Bar. Anything below a Heath Bar, no, no. Yeah, I was not. Not, yeah, I was a little lukewarm on the toffee myself, but 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 <laughs> but, but, but but yeah, I know there there was definitely a pecking order, and 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 clearly, well, you also knew like you knew you were at the end of the line after a week of eating all of that where the only things left were things like Necco wafers and, and, you know, the yes. nickel nips, those wax, wax bottles with a little fluid in them or, you know, the, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> the wax lips. And, you know. <laughs> and then the beautiful thing is how, when you trick or treat the same neighborhood enough, you can tell you, I can walk by today and probably tell you, you know, many of the houses, oh, the floods, that was Heath Bar. The Tavosos, oh, the Tavosos, you can't forget. They gave away corn balls. I was I just going to say were, corn balls. I and think you they ate them. handmade them. And you I think ate they, them. Your parents didn't look at it and go, no, this is dangerous. No, you ate be, them. No, this was, cause, this was because I was just at the tail end. Like, it, it, it was late in life before people started poisoning food right, and putting sure. razor blades in them, yeah. which I attribute directly to Mischief Night. Sure. I mean, these are probably people whose houses were pelted with apples the <laughs> night before, and they said, God damn those trick-or-treaters, I'm going to show them who's boss, and they threw a little razor blade Yeah, th- 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 thanks for ruining it for the rest of us, by the way. Exactly. 
I mean, I, I am sure that's where it comes from. But right. no, we 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 didn't have fear of food in those days. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, candied apples, popcorn balls. I mean, that, no, that, yeah, oh, it was awesome. I, in fact, I would often come home with like three popcorn balls because at least one or two kids would be like, I don't know if I want a popcorn ball, and I would trade them something for it, and boom. I'd, I'd have like three. I love those things. But the, the you mentioned about the take one here. I was a kid who was, you know, a, a, you know, not the most trustworthy kid. I mean, I've grown into that as an adult. Sure. But the I here as an adult, I did. We had a Christmas in a new neighborhood. I mean, a Halloween in a new neighborhood. We had never lived out in Glen Ellen before. It had a nice reputation. It was an upstanding, uh, you know, suburb. And not only were my kids very, very young and, and at that age of like total excitement to go out and trick or treat, but I had the in-laws with us. So my, you know, Nana and Papa were there. So the kids couldn't wait to trick or treat, not just with their parents, but with Nana and Papa too. That mm -hmm. was too good. So all of us left the house. And so what was there to do, but take a big, one of those big plastic pumpkins <laughs> Fill it with good candy because I don't give away anything less than the Reese's Cups and, you know, I, I uh, what's the, no, uh, Snicker bar. Right. And, you know, that, cause I'm like, you know, do unto others as you would have do unto you. Of course. So I, I, I fill it with this candy, no Tootsie damn rolls. And <laughs> I put a sign, please just take one. And I chuckled to myself as I do it, knowing if I was a kid, this whole thing would be in my pillowcase. Sure. But, I still put it there thinking we live in a nice little suburb. You know, I bet you this will work uh, for a little bit anyway. And so I put that sign on it. And it's the last thing I do before we get the whole caravan together and go out trick-or-treating as a group. Well, of course, since my daughter was probably about a year old or maybe a little more, we're, we're not three, four minutes away before I have to go back to the house for something. And so... I run back to the house again, haven't been away for three minutes, and damn if that pumpkin isn't in a bush, <laughs> the note somewhere in you know somewhere on the front porch in a corner, and there is no candy to be found anywhere. That thing was scorched. <laughs> well, on behalf of of whoever did that, may I may I scorched, apologize? <laughs> scorched on the porch. I mean, and and I just chuckled to myself because I knew I would have done the same thing. Yeah, it was, a, it was a little naive. It was a little naive. But, but you know what? I, you have to have a little faith in mankind, and clearly it, it bit you in the, the ass. Only, <laughs> the only people who get away with that are the, you know, the people who you know are mob enforcers, you know, like, uh, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. No, no. If there was a if there was a pumpkin with candy in front of the uh, uh, the Gotti's porch. No, no. You, or the you, Magistrelli's. You, that's like, no, that's OK. I don't think we need any arson in our. Uh... <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I think we've established that uh, there are some things you can and cannot do, uh, no matter whether it was in the 60s, 70s or the year 2023, do not put a big old pumpkin of food out there and say, please just take one. <laughs> Ain't going to work. Yeah. We don't even have, you know, the, the we have trunk or treat in our neighborhood where all the cars line up along one road. Oh, we're, we're in the mountains. And so there's, you know, I mean, there's driveways and, you know, you're not going to slap oh, yeah. six year old up a driveway for a, you know, <laughs> for, a, for a Heath bar. So it's great. It's great because all, all the cars line up and, and you, 
have the candy and you know the, some people dress up in costumes think about the candy or yeah. they will make something like a jail with a skeleton in it or something like that so that that works that's you know it's still the kids still have the experience the important thing is give them some memories that's right and and otherwise you'd have one or two kids missing and you'd have to like you know blanket the woods for the next two days look you know where did bobby disappear <laughs> well to? yeah well yeah in our neighborhood it would be oh wow what a great bear suit you've got <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah oh my god yeah. that's too funny well listen it's been a pleasure uh thanks thank likewise you for, thank you for being our new co-host towards some fun in the future but before we sign off, I would like to uh, dedicate this episode to the memory of a very close friend of mine, Ray Weber. I, I've known him since we were 18 years old. Between our uh, Right after our freshman year of college, we parked cars for a nightclub at the Jersey Shore, probably mob-owned. We did the best we could. We had a lot of fun doing it. And I will say that Ray, even then to the day, you know, I, I went to a... Penn State football game with him just three weeks ago. He was always one of those people that was always smiling and filling the room with laughter. Hell, he filled the whole stadium with laughter. Ray, I just want to say that I hope you'll save me a seat up there on the other side so we can keep our eye on the Eagles and Phillies together. Peace out, my friend. Well said, Dave. Well said. That's all the time we have, but the internet lasts forever and our stories never end. Thanks for stopping by this Stories Unlimited podcast. That's Stories UNLTD. We'd appreciate you following us on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. And why don't you email us at storiesunltd at gmail.com. <laughs>